Hello, Rangers fans, and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts with me, Mike Murphy, aka at DigDeepBSB on Twitter, and Tom, at Tom Urch Jr. on Twitter. And Jr. isn't spelled out, it's just JR. Tom, That's say right. hi. Hi, Mike. How's it going? You know what I was looking at, Tom, is next year's Hall of Fame class because. Uh, there's nothing to goddamn do while hockey and the Rangers are on hiatus because COVID-19 is a real prick. And Jeremy Roenick, another JR, is not in the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure he ever will be. No, I don't think so. I think, like, if there's ever a light year, maybe. But it just seems that, like, the Hall of Fame, it's it's not just who you were and what you did. It's also the kind of person you were, um, you know, case in point, like Pat Burns was a really good coach. And even though he was dying, the Hall of Fame committee didn't uh, elect him while he was still alive. And um, he went in posthumously. So, yeah, that's a thing that happens. Do you so, think yeah. Theo Fleury ever gets in, given his struggles with addiction? He should because a lot of it, and it's yeah. a. I mean, you look at a lot of revisionist history. Like, oh, here's this guy with drug and alcohol problems, but now we learn all of these years later, like he was someone who was abused, and it was not that he was trying to be reckless, but he was he was coping with some unbelievable trauma, and I think you look at that and you look at his his amazing career like if there's no Theo Fleury in the NHL do you see someone like Marty Saint-Louis and all of these other really small players who've been given an opportunity because you know that Theo Fleury guy he was able to do some amazing things and it didn't matter that he was really small so maybe we should give uh, these guys a chance but yeah Fleury's a guy he had a really fascinating career he's a guy who won a cup early with Calgary but he was, was a really, really late what? pick. He was like sixth round, eighth round even. Yeah, was um, it his first season with Calgary that he won? I feel like it was either like his first or second season. Yeah, he won super early. And so like that never was a storyline for him. But he was always, I think it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I was looking into this today. You really get points, you know, in your favor, points counted against you if you never won an individual award. Like uh mm-hmm. Curtis Joseph and Chris Osgood are two of the winningest goalies in NHL history, but neither of them are in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And people often point to the fact that, like, you know, Osgood won cups, Cujo never won a cup, but neither of them won a Vezina, and neither of them won any individual awards. And, like, that is kind of the strike against Flurry, apparently. But the thing is, like, he won an Olympic gold medal, he won a cup, and, I mean, there's a couple guys where... You know, you look at how many points they had, like Keith Kachuk is someone and McGillney is one for me. Like, I don't know how you don't put Alexander McGillney in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, international play, being someone that defected, um, just really great player. I think that, um, like, now that, um, I think it was what, it was uh, Ned Amansky went in, he was someone who also defected, um... So I think you gotta have McGilney in as well. You gotta. His his career was just so like he burst onto the scene and became one of the first real big Russian stars. But I remember thinking this a lot 
maybe, I want to say, 12 years ago, so when I was a much younger man, I was always wondering if Mike Richter would be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And I can... I just don't think it'll ever happen. Uh, I, I, I... he is Maybe. in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, I believe, and if he's not, he will be. I forget what uh, I forget if he's in there or not. But um, yeah, I believe he is. And you know, interestingly enough, not to cut you off, um, but like if you look at USA Hockey in an international sense, outside of World Junior, you have the um, the team that lost to Canada in Vancouver, um, winning silver. Um, you obviously have uh, 2002 in Salt Lake City, which that was Richter. Um, mm-hmm. And then you look at the World Cup of Hockey in 96, which was Richter in goal. I mean, when you look at international hockey for, for America, um, like he's one of the bigger names to actually have done something. And Big I think, time. yeah, so if there were ever a guy, like you look at his NHL career and then his international career, because I think that's one of the biggest things that people forget. Like, obviously you have all of these subsets of um, Hall of Fames, like whether it's U.S. and, you know, some states even have their own um, Hall of Fames, but it's not just if you were a good NHL player, it's were you a good international player, like someone like Trediak, who... He never played in the NHL. He only played for, you know, Red Army and, and, and all that. Yeah, but he always had that reputation of being one of the best. And Richter is was always interesting to me. Like, I think we should point out, we didn't plan on talking Hall of Fame stuff. This is just no. an orga- organic thing to develop. But you were right. Leach and Richter went into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame together in 2008. Um, but, yeah, like looking at Richter, like... You know, he, he has the cup, of course, um, you know, and, and the success in the international stage. But there are just some guys, like, there's that weird, um, it's that weird gray area of guys who were really, really great for a long time, you know, kind of in the discussion of some of the best players in the league when they're in their prime, but they just don't end up in the Hall of Fame. And then there's other guys, like someone like Pat Verbeek stands out to me. As a guy who was consistent, scored points in buckets, and had a fantastic career. I think he had over a 1,000 points, but he's just never going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, Steve Larmer, who was with the Rangers in 94, he broke a 1,000 points. He was almost in the 500-goal club, uh, just not going to be a Hall of Famer. And, you know, it goes without saying, I think this, this next class is uh, Iggy will be a first ballot slam dunk. Um, and then, you know, it gets kind of tricky after that. I hope it's McGillney. And then, you know, whenever, whenever the road ends for Hank, it's three years later, he should be on the first ballot. Oh yeah, for sure. Anyway, on to current Rangers news, Tom, now that I, I gave us a wonderful little sidetrack. Um, so we still have no hockey. That kind of goes without saying. Uh, as we expected the last time we talked to you lovely people, it's, this is an ongoing thing where, uh, you know, I think it's become clear to all of us now that life, this is not just sports as we know it is on pause. For a lot of people, life as they knew it is on pause. The amount of us who have to work from home, um, I ventured outside to the grocery store this morning for the first time in like four or five days that I 
left the house except for taking like a brief walk around the block and how was it um and i got really anxious just seeing the number of people who uh you know just had like towering amounts of crap in their shopping carts and you know like everyone was staying 10 feet away from each other and all those things and like i remember i wanted i wanted like a couple of apples but I looked at like the little plastic bag you toss apples in, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Do I really want to touch that? How many people have touched that today?" And so I didn't get apples, and I was like, "Yeah, this is a weird world we live in right now. It's just not. This is not the way it was about a month ago, Tom. <laughs> um, we're all, of course, acclimating to it, and it's becoming. It'll never be normal, but you know, we're all trying to wrap our heads around it. But of course, mm-hmm. it comes as no surprise that." Uh, we still don't have any clear answer on when we get hockey back. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised. And obviously, it's a lot of things that are fluid. It's just the more that we hear, it. it I'm almost in sort of... Um, I don't think we're going to have more of the regular season um, just because you have these things that come out like it was the um, the... NHL's chief medical officer or, or chief medical... Um, you know, whatever their their title is, basically saying that a lot remains in flux because it's looking at how the 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 curve of the virus is, and we don't know if we're even at the worst point yet, and what the fallout's going to be, and, and all of these things, and how they even I think they pushed back, um, like or they added ten days to the players sort of being in self quarantine and and all of that fun stuff. Um, it's just. I don't know. It's the way I kind of look at it is like this. Um, it sucks right now. It, it it sucks a lot. Um, but it's almost like we're so resistant and it's not like specifically um, because I think there are a lot of people who are doing the right thing. There are some who are doing the wrong thing. Uh, looking at you spring breakers in Florida um, that we're just like, yeah, you know, this isn't that serious or we're going to be able to get back to things very relatively soon. And it's like the more you delay it, the longer this is going to be where if we just had where we can more self-discipline and more. All right. This is going to be my life for, you know, the, the next few weeks or X few months. Um, we might be able to have this thing flatten out and we see some some positives and. But yeah, it, it, just the more I hear, because and we can get into it in a little bit, like sure. the the plans that the NHL is looking to get into, it's just like it seems like pie in the sky to me. It's it really it's like, does, right? Yeah. Uh, but like know. you said, but before we jump into that, uh, the Rangers signed another college free agent, Tom. Um, you know, we it's been kind of interesting so far. With uh, of course. Uh, we had uh, Keandre Miller, who was not a, he was a player of the Rangers drafted. And then uh, we had Patrick Kotarenko. And now we have Austin uh, Rui- Ruishoff, Ruishkoff. I hope you know how to say it, because I do not. Um, wasn't able to watch any film on him or anything. Been doing some fun kind of uh, look back in some Rangers history for the banter. Um, but... What stands out about this kid? Uh, he's six foot seven, Tom. That's that's tall. Big boy. 
He's a, he is a <laughs> that is the clear designation there is he is a big boy. Uh, he finished uh, third on his team in scoring. Uh, the Western Michigan, what are they, the Mustangs? I forget. Um, but yeah, third on the team in scoring. Um, he's a guy from Missouri, 6'7", 230. And, you know, he signed the ELC with the Rangers. So uh, in his sophomore year, he had a 27-point season. This year as a junior, 26-point season. So some consistency there, which is nice to see. And he did, he did pot 10 goals in his uh, freshman season at Western Michigan. So... Uh, there is a sign that, you know, he has a bit of a scoring touch, but obviously when you have a guy who's six foot seven, yeah, you tend to talk about him being six foot seven, Tom. Yeah. And uh it seems like and we were talking about this a little bit before the show, the Rangers just they're one of those teams that they really go after, you know, players of of this size. Um we we're some of the names are it's like Dylan McElrath, um Brian Boyle. John Scott even, um, and uh, yeah, I don't really know much about this guy. Um, I'm not sure 100%. I think Adam might be looking into him at some point, um, but you know, it's another, like we say all the time, another lottery ticket, so to speak. It's your taking a chance on someone, whether they're going to be playing in Hartford, whether they're going to be playing in the ECHL. It's you never know unless you try, and uh, yeah. He's a big boy. I mean, another another good example recently is Tim Geninger. Even you know he's true. He's he's not quite this big. I mean, uh, I think Geninger is six six if memory serves. So this guy's even bigger than Geninger, who I think has been we can call him like a modest success at the AHL level um, for a guy who's a late draft pick. And uh, but as you pointed out, Tom, yeah, uh, a lot of big guys have been Rangers um, as a team that hasn't shied away for and at times especially in the Glenn Sather era I would I would say is seem to like the idea of of big guys but of course it all comes down to what this guy's skating is and um, you know full disclosure haven't had any time to watch any film on him um, haven't watched a lot of oh they're the Broncos not the Mustangs uh, haven't watched a lot of Western Michigan Bronco hockey this year um, but I you know was looking a little bit at some of some of the numbers there and, you know, nine of his, uh, I think it was a nine of his 14 assists were primary, um, which is a pretty promising sign for a guy who I think, uh, was looked at as a, as a goal scorer first and foremost. And the other thing that stood out to me, uh, the team's two top scorers were, were seniors. Um, but the other thing that kind of stood out to me about his scoring was that, uh, 20, of his points uh, were even strength. So 20 of the 26 points were even strength, which tells you a couple things. One, the Broncos probably had a really crappy power play. And two, this guy was a guy who kind of came by his points pretty honestly, if that's the case for his, uh, you know, the breakdown of his scoring by strength. So there might be something there that, you know, it shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone that... You know, the Western Michigan Broncos were not exactly lighting things up. But, uh, yeah, interesting interesting move just because, you know, thinking back to last season, the Rangers college free agents didn't really make a huge impact. Right, Tom? Like, um, 
you know, who I'm trying to remember everyone. It was Patrick Newell and, oh, God. I mean, there's been a couple recently. Like, Vince Pedri was one, I think, from Penn State. Um, I'm just trying to think of the last... Like, in the last few years, it's been, like, Vince Pedri. It's been Neil Pionk. Um, Patrick Boy. Newell. Yeah, there's another... I think he was a winger. Um, there's... Oh, Jake Elmer. That's who I was Oh, yeah, exactly. From the... Uh, what's his name's line mate? Um, what was it? Cousins line mate? Yeah, the Rangers were... yeah, yeah, Jake Jake Elmer was the one that was just like just disappeared in my head, but he was in Lethbridge. Yeah, WHL, he, and he played. Yeah, it was Dylan Cousins. Uh, that's right. Um, so yeah, that was in terms of the guys, the college free agents they signed last year was kind of a modest re- modest return in terms of you know what we saw out of those kids. Um, you know, I think Elmer even spent. You know, this season, 36 games um, in the ECHL in Maine, uh, only two games in Hartford. Um, and, you know, I think Newell kind of played a depth role in Hartford when he was in the lineup there. And, you know, nothing nothing too crazy. But the other thing is, it's kind of important to remember the amount of veteran guys that uh, the Wolfpack put in place, which, you know, seemed to do a lot to help the team get off to a strong start. Um, but it is, there's been so much turnover in Hartford, you know, even, you know, thinking over the past couple seasons with guys they signed, um, and gave a chance to, or, you know, we're kind of curious to see where things would go. Um, you know, both of the European free agents they signed came and went pretty quickly. And now we have another, you know, another couple guys who, you know, it kind of goes to that saying when you sign these college free agents, you end up testing them at the AHL level. And you kind of, like you said, you you don't really know until you know. You want to see what the hell you got. And maybe maybe they have something uh, with both Kodorenko and, and Big Austin here. So we'll have to see what happens. But I'm interested only because, you know, what... It's it's a little surprising to me that we haven't seen any of uh, Quinn's guys uh, get get that look, but you know, um, it's you know a, a guy who's six foot seven and Kodorenko who was you know had a very very good year. Uh, another American guy, he went to Michigan State um, and he was a really really consistent scorer. So thir- three consecutive uh, seasons of at least thirty two points. And, uh, the other thing about, um, yeah, Kodorenko to go back to him was that he does or has played center and I'm trying to remember if, uh, Ruishkov played center. I think he can play center, but I think he played mostly wing from what I've read and seen. Anyway, um, other than that, there wasn't a lot of big Rangers news other than the fact that Henrik Lundqvist... Um, and his wife, through the New York, through the Henrik Lundqvist Foundation, just donated some money to the New York Food Bank, which is nice to see. Yeah, that is very nice of Hank. And not anyone that you know hates Lundqvist, uh, you can go fuck yourself. Oh, well, there you go. Um. <laughs> I think, but before I cut you off again, uh, yeah, yeah. I th- so and also in NCA news, we can also I guess we can talk about Morgan Barron. He was the ECAC Player of the Year, um, which is really cool. 
Um, just a prospect whose stock just seemingly continues to rise. You know, I, I don't think anyone expected um, this out of someone who was drafted 174th overall. Um, so kudos, kudos to him. Um, and then also in NCAA news, and this is a topic we can get into a little bit more of a discussion in because it's multifaceted. Tyler Wall, uh, one of the 10 finalists for the Mike Richter Award, which goes to NCAA's top, top goalie of the year. Um, the reason this is of, of note is that he just finished his senior year and he's someone who, if he chose to, could become a free agent this summer. And given the um, Rangers goaltending situation, I honestly don't know what he's going to do because in Hartford you have Huska who had, I'd say, um, up and down year. Um, and then obviously you have the goaltending carousel that the Rangers need to figure out. So if I'm Tyler Wall, yeah, if he signs with the Rangers, he gets to work with Benoit Lair and odds are he could become the starter of the pack, but... Do you, you think that while the Rangers have been a team that have taken advantage of signing these players, whether it's your Kevin Hayes or your Jimmy Vesey's, uh, will they lose Tyler Wall? I mean, obviously, it's months away, but given that the season could be on hold for many months, it certainly adds uh, an interesting wrinkle. Yeah, it really does. And it's funny that Wall has kind of become an afterthought in the Rangers prospect pool because there is that much depth there. But the Adam Huska situation is so fascinating to me for so many reasons. And I think the biggest one is, you know, for a little while, um, you know, he was the one B more like the backup to uh, Shesterkin at the start of the season in Hartford. Um, but then he hit a really, really rough go of things when Hartford got gutted. Um, and then like, he seemed to rebound a little bit before getting an assignment, um, to Maine. But I, I, that is like one of the things that that's on like this wish list in my head of what I, if I could be a fly on the wall for the Rangers organization is to know what the internal thoughts are on Huska right now and how confident they are in him. Um, and that is especially interesting uh, when you look at Tyler Wall, who had a fantastic year, we're talking a 934 save percentage um, for UMass Lowell. He had, uh, no, I'm sorry, a 931 save percentage while playing the lion's share of, uh, of the minutes there. And I really, really like everything about Tyler Wall. Uh, you know, and it's interesting because we've talked about Mentioned a couple of names now, Tom. The Rangers in the fifth and sixth round, last couple of years, making a lot of really good picks. Uh, Tyler Wall being one of them, Pajo Niemi being one of them, Morgan Barron being another one of them. Um, they do some work in round five and six lately. Just a random aside, anyway. Do you want to is... hear an interesting stat? Yeah, yeah. So, Tyler Wall was drafted in 2016. Yeah. Guess guess what pick he was. Well, I have it right in front of me, so I can't. So, so he he was pick one seventy four, and then a year later 
at 174, Morgan Barron. How you like that? Believe it or not, I actually know that uh, or knew that. And then I forgot it because I had all the times I've done Rangers radar and I make a point of listing the draft picks. And I would always think I was making a typo and I was like, oh, son of a bitch. I mean, two guys who, I mean, it would be a shock at this point if both of them hung up their skates without seeing NHL ice. And that's, that kind of ties back into what we're saying about Tyler Wall, which is if you're him, Tom, you got to think your quickest path to an NHL game and, and getting a real chance probably doesn't come through New York, does it? Like, you got to you got to consider what your options are. And, the, you know, I think, you know, for a, a guy like him, like you said, the, uh, something that I think would be very attractive to him is working with Benoit Lair, because I would imagine it would be attractive to all goaltenders. But, you know, it's, it's hard to say how many guys are really content with, you know, plugging away for, you know, three or four years at the AHL level before they really get a chance. And that might be what he's looking at. And, uh, there's nothing to say you can't go on and have a great career in the NHL. If that's your, you know, starting path. And for a lot of, especially collegiate goalies, that's what happens. But Tyler Wall is a a really interesting case for the Rangers because I'm sure they'd like to sign him, but, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff he has to get over in terms of the, the goalies that are still here. You know, Gorgiev didn't go anywhere. Um, and Shesterkin's obviously the future and Hank's still here. So with that being said, Hank was probably still here for one more year. If that at this point, who the hell knows, right? Yeah. It's something certainly that we'll probably revisit. And I would assume that, um, that as they f- eventually figure things out, you might have some things that they need to button up because you have theoretically players who have certain clauses in their contract that would kick in in July or you know, free agency and all that fun stuff. And I imagine that although it's written one way in, in the CBA right now, um, that that's something that they would um, have to tweak, but we'll just have to wait on that. Um, before we move on, I think this is a good spot uh, for an ad break. So we will be right back. And just like that, we are back again. Um, don't have any predetermined topics that I can think of on the top of my head. So I'm going to start with a question first. And then but depending on your answer to the question, I might have another question. And then I'll go into what I want to talk about. So first question is, have you seen The Wolf of Wall Street? Yes, I have. Okay. So you're familiar with the scene in the diner when... Um, 
you know, Jordan Belfort played by Leonardo DiCaprio is like telling people at the table, okay, sell me this pen. Mm-hmm. Like, so you, Mike Murphy, yeah. sell, sell to me this thing that I've been hearing tons of people talk about. I've seen tons of people tweeting about it. Sell to me Animal Crossing. Oh, um, it's a delightful distraction from the real wor- the real world, especially now. In essence, this game hasn't changed since I. When did I first play it? I think I may have first played it on GameCube. I don't think it was an N sixty four game. So, I played it on GameCube. I played it on Wii. I never got a Wii U, and now I'm playing it on Switch. Tom, you just you're a little person, and your neighbors are all hybrid animal people um so like for instance one of my neighbors is a rhinoceros lady and uh her horns are strawberries and uh she's delightful and she's a wonderful neighbor better than any neighbor i've ever had in the real world (laughs) and you do things like catch bugs and fish and design your room and you do kind of chores around the town and in doing that, you improve the town, and more people move into town. You can visit each other's town. Uh, Joe visited my town and drew a penis on my bulletin board, um, which seemed to be against the spirit of Animal Crossing. And that was what he did after I wrote that Mike hearts Joe on his bulletin board. So is there sort of like... like what? Not to to get like philosophical, like what is the point of all this? But is it, is it just passing the time? Is there like a setup to the game? What's like the point why? of anything, Tom. You just have fun. You you make a nice house. You ever played The Sims? Actually, no. I never no. played The Sims. Um, you ever play Stardew Valley? You ever play any of those games where nope. the objective is the adventure? You know, like you just what do you do? You like. There's things like, oh, I want to catch every fish in the game. I want to collect every fossil in the game. I want to uh, design my town and make it look big and pretty and beautiful. That's what the game's about. There's no, like, you know, you collect all the ammo you need and you you pump a bunch of rounds into some some fucking olifant from The Lord of the Rings. Well, that would be pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, like, all the games that I've ever played, I mean, besides sports games, it's been something like, okay, here's what you do. Like, you have a campaign, and then, okay, there's some, like, online play. Um, yeah. Yeah, because, so, like, I've been seeing a lot about it, and... It has an objective. Um, you're, you're working towards something. Right, yeah. So, like, I'm fascinated by it, kind of, but, like, I don't want it to be something like I buy it, and then I don't do anything with it. And I, I get bored of it because I feel like that would be rather wasteful. Um, so, yeah, I was just kind of curious about Animal Crossing. I, I had never played it before. And I think someone had said, like, I saw someone tweet about it. Like, isn't Animal Crossing just, like, pretty much, like, Stardew Valley or, or something of that nature? Like, that there's some parallels or... Yeah, I would call it a wholesome, like, life simulation in so much as all of what you do is the game is about kind of socializing and interacting and like what do you do every day in animal crossing oh 
Yeah, go to see, like, there's little marks in the ground where you can use your shovel, find fossils, or find, like, buried treasure. And the game is based on, like, it's in real time. So if you play it, like, two at night, everyone in the game's asleep, and you have to put all the stuff you want to sell into, like, a little basket outside the shop, because everyone was like, that's not normal. But if you, you know, if you start playing it, you know, like, during your lunch break or something, you'll see people around town and get to interact with people. It's funny in that way. But, the, like, what do you do every... You, you wake up and you shake trees. And you shake trees to collect apples. And then some trees, uh, furniture will fall out of a tree. For example, today, I shook a tree, Tom, and a piece of furniture fell down, and it said skeleton. And I said, so a skeleton just fell out of a tree, that's not good. And then I put the furniture in my house, and it was a it was a human skeleton piece of furniture, like a like you'd see at a, do- a doctor's office. But okay. I still thought to myself, that means someone probably died up in that tree. Um, and then sometimes you shake a tree, and wasps come out. And if you don't catch them in your net, you get stung in the eye. And then if you get stung in the eye twice, you pass out. And that teaches you about life somehow, Tom. Understandable. So. I guess with that said, um, you've been playing Animal Crossing, but what are some other things that you've been doing, um, whether it's for fun, like watching shows, playing games, uh, things of that nature? Um, I'll let you go first, and then uh, I can share you know, what I've been doing. I've been watching a lot of movies. Um, today I watched Rudy. And uh, I'm convinced there are two types of people in this world. People who cry watching Rudy and people who are dead and or I want nothing to do with them. And uh, watching Disney Plus has been lovely. We've been playing Animal Crossing. That's lovely. I've been uh, doing some reading, trying to trying to get, you know, um, it kind of goes without saying, but it's hard to think of stuff to write about because... Uh, you know, we don't know if the season is over, and as such, at specifically at Blue Shirt Banner, we're we're trying to avoid doing things like report cards and things that are uh, premature about you know what the status of this season is. So um, that's why I thought, you know, what do I want to do? And started writing today. I've been working on uh, the greatest Czech Rangers of all time. Which is fun because six of the eight highest scoring Czech skaters in NHL history were Rangers at one point. And number two is Patrick Eliash, who of course uh, played for the enemy for a very long time. And almost signed with the Rangers, but ultimately couldn't, uh, you know, he, he wasn't going to eat the forbidden fruit. Yes, unlike Bobby Holik, who... Uh, did eat the forbidden fruit. Did you know this detail, by the way? I think I was too young to process this. But when the Rangers bought out Hulik, um before the uh, the lockout year, they had a choice when the CBA got rolled back. Essentially, the choice was between Kasparitis and Hulik, And they chose to keep Kasparitis, which to me is just, you know, you kiss your fingers, just magnifique that that was the decision. Um <laughs> Especially because Holik was the team MVP uh, that year with 56 points. I'll say that again. He was the team MVP with 56 points. Uh, let's not go back to those years. 
I did not know that, although I do, um, I read it, it was um, Money Players, which was a book um, basically looking at the 0405 lockout and, um, you know, things things of that nature. And um, so when the Rangers signed Bobby Holik, it was a situation where at the time Mike Gillis was, was a player agent. Uh, this is before he... Um, went into management. Um, you know, he was with the Vancouver Canucks for, you know, for a number of years. And he was like in this, I don't know if it was like a cabin or this house, but basically with like an air conditioner and a fax machine. And he was in constant contact with Bobby Holik and like trying to get the best offers. And like, apparently the Rangers offer was by far and away the largest offer. Like it was significantly bigger than whatever the um the second offer was. So like when the offer came in, um like Gillis is like looking at it and like he goes to Holik and Holik is like, like, are you serious? Like this is what they're uh going to pay me? Um yeah, forty five million dollars. It was like nine so nine million dollars a year. And he was just sort of like dumbfounded. Um and I think like Gillis was was almost like, yeah, maybe we should sort of like play coy and um, maybe we can get even more money out of Glenn Sather. And Luke's like, no, I'm taking this money like th- this is amazing. And yeah, we all we all know how, how that ended. But it's it's amazing to think that at one point in time and obviously things are different, but Bobby Holik had a higher and a higher uh, annual salary than Henrik Lundqvist. That's uh, that's incredible. And that's you know without factoring in inflation. <laughs> and oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just that story just screams to me of incompetency in the front office. Just the oh, what did they offer? That much more than everybody else? Well, Bobby, time to prepare for a second and a third home. Um, it just, it's such a, it's such a crazy thing to wrap your head around now. You know, like we see like NBA salaries or can be that crazy, but, um, you know, like in, in the Mm. hockey world seeing, you know, and the other thing was it's for a guy who's, he's a defensive center. I'm sorry if you can hear my, my cat is currently trying to maul the microphone. Franklin, this is not helpful. I know we're... (laughs) This is a pandemic, but you're acting up and you're making a fool of me. Um, th- that was the thing that stood out to me that was so crazy about Holik in the year when he was like the team MVP. And I was like, wow, how bad were the Rangers that year? And I you know, was looking at their roster and I was like, yeah, pretty goddamn bad. Um, but Holik always stands out to me, one, because he actually started his career with the, the Hartford Whalers. And two, in that first season, Tom making an you know an AAV of 15 million 64 games and 35 points <laughs> Ooh. it's just it's just real real bad tom and a great deal if you can get it and if he you know in the world where he, if he did finish out his career or that contract with the rangers um, in the last year of that of what would have been that contract uh, he was with the Atlanta Thrashers in 06-07, and in that season, 29 points, 82 games. 
Um, Tom, he could be Patrice Bergeron away from the puck, and he wouldn't be worth $15 million. And, of course, that's not what Bobby Holik was. Um, nope. But, yeah, uh, it's it's fun to look back at. Like, I, I I'm a huge hockey history buff. I really like looking back and kind of understanding how we got to where we got to and like I like doing things like trying to remember players numbers and shit like that like remember you and I were talking about Eric Christensen we're trying to remember like isn't he number 40 like I I don't remember all of my brother's birthdays but I remember things like that um uh do you want to talk about what these horrible horrible ideas for that have been proposed for how the season will resolve that we've heard yeah um yeah we we can get into that uh, and then I'll just briefly say um what I've been doing um so yeah I, oh, that's right you never say what you're up to yeah so I've I have books that I want to start reading like it's in many ways it's just been sort of an adjustment to everything that's been going on um because I'm working from home and I feel like it's a good thing and a bad thing um it's a weird thing if you're not used to it. Yeah, it's it's taken a while to sort of get used to. Um, so I'm sort of now more into a routine, so that's kind of good. But basically, the majority of my like downtime, it's a continuation of something that me and my brother started in the summer in uh, MLB The Show. So pretty much in MLB The Show, you have all of the regular regular MLB teams, but then you have these generational all-star teams so you have like the mid-century groundbreakers which are um you know looking back like you know babe ruth lou gehrig type era um you have the expansion era boomers you know sort of like 1960s 70s and 80s um and then you have uh, a team of you know all stars you know for for you know the 90s the 2000s 2010s um, so pretty much me and my brother decide, so all right, you know, um, you're going to pick one team, I'll pick the other. So I'll, I've been the Boomers, um, which it's it's kind of funny because this was all before the like the the OK Boomer was sort of like a meme. Yeah. Um, and he's he's been the uh, try, why the name can't come to me at this point, but basically he's the, the new age, you know, 90s, 2000s. And we're going park by park and we're just playing like, you know, like series. Um, so we're we're almost done with our first uh, wave of this, which is all of the current stadiums. So all of the main teams, um, we have three stadiums left, I think. And then we're going to do because um, they have like all the classic stadiums. So like they have old Yankee stadium, they have Shea stadium, they have the polo grounds, all of these different things. So, and what's cool about it is we're actually keeping stats for this. So we have like a, a sheet and it's like, all right, what the game was, what the score was, you know, who is a winning pitcher, who is a losing pitcher, who got a save if applicable, um, who was the player of the game. Um, and also attendance because it's this funny thing that like just randomly so randomly throughout the game something will flash on the screen it'll say today's attendance like 26,543 um so it's like a little stupid thing but it's been a lot of fun and even though um you'd think you would get bored of just playing the same teams over and over again it's actually 
pretty fun because you're doing all these different parks and like this one has a short porch this one has you know like a deep center field um and stuff of that nature um and then besides that also um i've been re-watching a lot of the pixar movies on disney plus i finally took the plunge and signed up uh been watching them with my nephew um and just sort of like gauging, um, you know, what are some of his favorite movies and looking at it from his perspective of, all right, here's a seven-year-old. This is what he thinks of Inside Out. This is what he thinks of Ratatouille. Um, so yeah, that's been kind of cool on that and reading him books. So I'd say it's been pretty low-key, um, but, you know, kind of interesting. Well, see, that speaks to my heart, the playing games with your brother because at one point connor my my only younger brother i have five brothers he and i used to play games together all the time uh when i was going to a local college so i was still at home and he was going to school too and we i think it was nhl 16 or 17 but we were ranked 17th in the world or something um when we played together online and people would always complain to us on Xbox 360. They would be like, <laughs> you're playing with two people. It's not fair. And our retort would always be like, you accepted the match, bro. Um, <laughs> but besides, we'd always play as the Rangers and they were hot garbage. Um, so, yeah. Uh, there, it's one of the few joys in life is having a sibling you can be buddies with. So, very much speaks to my heart. Oh, yeah, and, like, it's something that, at least in my case, because there's, um, we're, we're seven years apart, um, or actually, rather, eight years apart, excuse me, um, so, like, growing up, it was, like, here's this thing that, like, really can't do much, but now that, <laughs> because, like, uh, so, look at it this way, so, he's born, um, and, like, I can't play catch with him, like, you can you can play catch with him by throwing him around, but yeah. Yeah, so it took a while for him to get to a point where like, okay, we can actually have um He has a some, personality, he's a thing. He's not right, just a, and have some fun together. And now yeah. it's sort of like it's the situation where like um you know, he he likes me a lot more now because you know, he, he whenever he's in a pinch, like, you know, he needs someone to to bankroll him. Um that that's me. Um and did by by chance did you ever see the movie uncut gems no but i want to okay so yeah so the the meme wouldn't um wouldn't make sense but basically there's pretty much this meme that i've been using with him um and it, it's it, if once you see the movie i'll explain it to you it'll it'll make a lot of sense but yeah um so that's what i've been doing um and the league has also been busy doing things and it seems like there's a lot of different proposals um, that have been bandied about. Whether or not they will happen um, is remains to be seen. But each idea worse than the next. Yeah. So this was on the the Athletic um, from Craig Custance, and basically they're looking at this situation of, you know, you could have um, a 24 team playoff tournament. Um, which it sounds, you know, all good and well for, you know, trying to, um, award the Stanley cup. It reminds me of to quickly cut you off. Do you, sure. Were you too young for battle bots? 
Battlebots. So that's it. Sounds familiar to me, but I'm. So Battlebots is like uh, home engineers make robots that really okay. are designed just to beat the living shit out of each other. Like some of them have buzz saws, some have sledgehammers, some have like uh, flamethrowers, which never worked. I don't know why people kept giving robots flamethrowers, mm-hmm. but because the other robots aren't organic material, Tom, they're also made out of steel. Uh, but like whenever I think of things like this, I always think of people just throwing like. 50 battle bots into the ring and like all right this guy won why i don't know he's the last one standing like that's what the solution feels like to me with uh we want to make it fair for everybody which makes it fair for nobody which like it's okay if we don't have a cup this year it will suck but guess what the world sucks right now so it's understandable why it would happen yeah so that was one proposal, and the reason for 24 teams, it was pretty much the NHL's way of including the top 16 teams. It's involving teams that are on the cusp, but it's also involving big market teams who are on the outside looking in, like the Canadians and the Blackhawks. But that was just one proposal. There was also a proposal in which lottery teams would play in a tournament with the winner being awarded the first overall pick. And I think this is a good story to end on because, like, how insane is this for a number of reasons? One, um, you could have... It's sort of like at a disadvantage because if you're the Detroit Red Wings, for example, right, you've obviously been really bad this year. You can't win hockey games unless you're, like, playing the Montreal Canadiens, which I think that's one of the funniest things from this year is that the Canadians weren't able to beat the Red Wings. Um, but you're a team that could use someone like Alexis Lafreniere or Quentin Byfield or a number of players. But then there's also this element of, okay, you are a, lot, a quote-unquote lottery team and you have a roster with players who are set to become a free agent. Why would you, in for any reason, go all out in a tournament to help a team that you may not even be playing for? Like, it just seems like really pie in the sky. Yeah, it's all these solutions are really, really imperfect. And, like, I understand where it all comes from. Like, it comes from a place of wanting to get something out of this year, trying new, you know, the big thing I think that occurs to me more and more is like, there's all these question marks like, well, shit, what do we do with like the draft order? Shit, what do we do about this, that, this, like even awards and all these things. And that's the thing that I think is pressing, you know, the league to try and create these solutions or at least these, you know, these rough ideas that, you know, do we pursue this or not? And, Tom, none of the ideas are good. The problem is I can't propose, like, my retort to all these is uh, this is, you know, special circumstances, and this is also, you know, a a human tragedy on a large scale that this is happening. And, like, when you think of things like, you know, um, you know, it's not at all the same thing, but when we have tragedies happen in sports, you know, like, uh, something is you know, awful as, you know, the Sharapanov story and, you know, like, well, what's like, 
after you go through the headache of what went on, you start to talk about like, well, it kind of sucks for the Rangers. But yeah, but like, does that matter that it sucks? What matters more is that this tragedy happened, right? And of course, you know, there's, I think the league did do some sort of, you know, compensatory pick or something. And it's just like, none of the solutions are ever going to be good, are they? You had something to say, go for it. Yeah, so um, I just saw this on Twitter. Um, So the NHL announces that it is officially postponed the scouting combine, the draft, and the awards show um, scheduled for June. Um, So I guess it's sort of a formality that they're postponing these things, but it's just more um, information that, you know, everything is going to get pushed back. Um, So it's going to require creative solutions, but I guess the one bright side is that they have a lot of time to kind of figure this shit out. And it's like, well, if we can come back here, we'll do this. If it's pushed back a month from that, we'll do this. And if it's pushed two months back, then we'll have to do this. And to your point, yeah, this is, um, unprecedented times and, it requires a um, or could be a one-time solution, and I would assume that in the next uh, collective bargaining agreement they would have some sort of section like, in the event that uh, the season has to be paused or in the event you know something happens that they'll have something more concrete so that if we ever were to have something like this happen again, at least the teams can go well we did agree to this in writing and it does suck but that's uh that that's that's just the story yeah i don't know i I hope my sharapanov analogy wasn't in poor taste it wasn't meant to be of course but like i i'm just trying to think of you know to me it's better to not make plans public even if people are kind of clamoring for answers Of, of course everyone's clamoring for answers no one knows what's happening with sports and sports play such an important part in so many people's lives, but we are at a stage now where it just like it's not half as important as so many other aspects of what's going on. Yeah, and there there are things that you'd never expect them to happen, and it's um it there it's it's hard to to predict because you, you never know what could happen. You could have someone that you do draft and um. You know, something happens where, like, you know, they get in a car accident and they're never able to play again. And, you know, you have to have, like, some sort of, like, you know, it's obviously not the team's fault, but it, you just can't, like, say, like, okay, you know, sorry that that happened, but you're not getting anything. So, um, yeah. And I guess, like, as everything we've been saying, this is all big picture stuff because obviously there's a lot more important things going on in the world um and we really never know how long this is going to be and it could also be things that oh this stuff is leaking because the nhl wants to remain relevant they want to have some sort of chatter of what things could be like because it's not just them that when they're able to start playing again you're going to have basketball trying to reschedule things you're going to have major league baseball trying to start its season you're going to have performers trying to set up concert tour dates and um it's going to be 
a very interesting, very difficult thing to try and fit everything together. And a shit show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You you said in a few words what I was saying in a few sentences. Um, before I read our our patrons off, um, you had anything you wanted to talk about or? No, I mean it's it's uh you know it, we're looking at stuff to talk about. I think it would be good for us to talk an upcoming show about other guys who kind of fit into uh, that Tyler Wall situation. It would be a good future show, I think. I also want to do a show where I just talk to you really about Peter Nedved for a very long time, eventually. But we can save that for like August. You know? Yeah, and again, people, if you have ideas feel free to submit them um whether it's on twitter um you know whether it's email whether it's you know however you feel f- you want to get in contact with me or mike we're obviously open to ideas i know in the past people have said um you know you could do like these types of, of topics like during the summer but you know for all intents and purposes it is like the summer right now in which that there's no hockey and we want to be able to talk to you and we want things to be interesting to you. So definitely um, send in your suggestions. Um, and just a reminder for, for patrons, um, your pledges are paused for April for now. Um, so if you subscribe to our Patreon, you're not going to be charged for April. Um, and once uh, we have more information of when the season starts up again, um, then that's what things will kick in. So I have to wait until April starts before I can pause May and so on and so forth. Um, but you let's know. just say for the time being, when we're not in a national state of emergency, uh, we're not going to ask you guys to, to help support the pod. I mean, everyone is going through, you know, some lean times right now. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who have lost work, both Tom and I, I know, have lost freelance work um, and a lot of it. So we're not going, even though it would help us both personally, uh, we know that everyone's going through a tight time. And there are a lot more important things in the world than supporting your favorite Rangers podcast. With that being said, we hopefully look forward to a time when we can start taking your money again and rubbing it slowly into our naked chests and thanking you. <laughs> and with that, Adam Naholik, Aiden Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Andrew Chicagoff, Andy White, Anthony McHale, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Craig Laughlin, Daniel Jusen, David L. Singer, Enver Leeson, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Frank Menino, George Lippman, Goth Tom 2020, like I say, not going to happen. Igor Zavlovsky, James Dangles, Jamie Bussell, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Prezapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kush Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olson, Michael Alsante, Michael Kanick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin 2020. Yeah, a lot of mics and only one Tom, but it's Goth Tom 2020. But so like a, paint your fingernails and put on a choker, Tom. Panarin 2020, Patrick Lanholt, Perennial Powerhouse, Russ Vent, Sammy Vogel, Seidenberg, Sean, Stieg, Bielbach, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Ninja's Ninja, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Um, thank you for your um, past Patreon support. 
Um, and like Mike said, uh, we'll be happy to take your money in the future when, when things, uh, calm down. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you as always for the support and we'll, uh, be back next week. Take care. Take care of yourselves. Be smart, be safe, wash your hands, cough into your arms and all those good things. Social distancing for the win. Bye-bye.